everybody. Welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. Jim Marty from my barn once again. I've got my co-host and good friend, Larry Mishkin. Hey, Jim. How you doing today? Very good. Very good. Yeah, we're recovering from our fish weekend. It was wonderful. Yeah, the, the shows look absolutely tremendous. And, you know, there's lots to talk about there, both in terms of, I know, uh, you're anxious to start talking about the level of music and the quality that they're cranking out these days, and the rest of the world wants to hear about the Prairie Dogs. But let's get to the music first. Tell me about it. Oh, just absolutely wonderful. 46 days, and I, I just heard this morning that they changed the lyrics around. What did they say, Larry? Um, in 46 days, they said something about fear the plague is coming, was the exact quote. It was, taste the fear for the plague is drawing near. So, yeah, they're, they're pretty timely with that stuff. I, I get a kick out of that. Yeah, they've been telling us a few jokes. First night, they played Pure Prairie League on the way out after the show. But, yeah, it's uh, the parking lot scene was shoulder to shoulder yesterday afternoon. And a lot of the stickers are relevant to the Prairie Dogs. And it is true. They have large swaths of land around the stadium, not only roped off, but signs that say, stay out, the plague is near, I guess. <laughs> and then uh, I got my plague side sticker. That's too much. That's funny. But I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to eat the uh, the prairie dog burrito. Well, you're right. You can only do so much. Besides, you have to make sure it's plague free. Yeah, yeah. One of the guys uh, cooking in the parking lot was selling prairie dog burritos. Was it worth the risk to go out there? And was was the music good enough? Was it well worth it? Well, actually, they did a they did a really good job. They only let you park on the paved parking lots, so nobody was on the fields with a prairie. It's like a prairie dog uh, village out there, just prairie dogs everywhere. And this is in the middle of Commerce City, so maybe next year they'll... The humane way to get rid of prairie dogs is to trap them and relocate them. So maybe the city of Commerce City will get their act together and get that done for next year. As I said yesterday, this might be getting too small. My son won't even tell me what he paid for his Sunday ticket. We were going through Shakedown and so many people looking for tickets, he just got on his phone and paid what he had to pay to get a Sunday ticket. But musically, just off the charts, off the hook. Yeah, the 46 Days was great. The jam out of Ghost, some people are saying it's one of the best they've ever seen and heard. There's a lot of musicians, the rock and roll musicians from all around Denver are at the shows, and they, they just can't believe how well Fish is playing. And if anything, the sound keeps getting better night to night. It's hard to believe after the first night the sound could be any better but I think it's actually getting a little better. It's just absolutely amazing. And when you listen to the, um, they brought down the second set Saturday night with a slave to the traffic light for the ages. I mean, it was like Mozart was bringing together, bringing down a six hour symphony, which is what they were doing. They were ended over the two nights they had played for six hours. And it was like Trey brought it down like he was bringing down a symphony. It was just incredible. Oh, you and, know they're like a well-oiled yeah. machine right now, yeah? Oh, they're God. really cranking on all cylinders, and it, it, it's amazing to see that, that at this stage of their career, you know, when a lot of other bands are kind of coasting or resting on their laurels, maybe, these guys are in the midst of an upward trajectory that would be the envy of any band even just starting out. I mean, it, it seems like night after night, the people who see the shows, uh, the, the hyperboil gets bigger and bigger, and, and I'm tending to believe most of it. Right. Well, you know, they were all born um, either in 1964 or right thereabouts. And uh, so they're well into their 50s. And they just really appear absolute masters of their craft right now. 
very strong character zero Saturday Night Encore. And somebody took it upon themselves. I don't know if the band paid for it or what, but from the upper parts of Dick's soccer arena, they must have thrown out, I don't know, 10,000 glow sticks. They just It was like a shower of glow sticks that went on and on. And, of course, everyone picked them up. We had a very, very good glow stick war. Uh, that's fun. Well, I, I know that they have those every now and then. I have to confess that, you know, my knowledge of the fish inner circle is not quite enough to know exactly which are their favorite glow stick songs. Uh, but I know whenever I'm there, there always seem to be a lot of glow sticks in the crowd. Yeah, there was a guy with a full electric multicolored cape on. And every night he, he dances the whole three hours. And it's like he's li- he looks like like a Mayan Indian priest. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And just to yep. see him well, with that electric suit on dancing for three hours. Uh, the stuff you see. Well, to quote one of my other favorite bands, uh, things you've never seen seem familiar. It just yeah, I, I you know uh, I try to get on and watch part of it on the live stream. I've got a lot going on here, so I don't always have a chance to sit down and catch it all. You know, but the little bits that I did see and everything else, uh, it, it's just really a lot of fun. They're having a great time. You know, they're enjoying it. Uh, you know, they're taking it to a whole other level. One day Trey is at Lock In playing, you know, covering Layla with uh, Tedeschi's truck, and the next day he's back with his band. You know, taking them through another historic set that run at Dick's. And boy, what else do they have in store that they can do? I don't even know. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yep. And uh, they streamed a Sunday night show on uh, Sirius. So that's that's out there. Excellent. So it's all available. This unbelievable. Yeah, we've already been listening to last night's show this morning because you get a free download with your ticket. And uh, luckily, my right. millennial sons know how to do that. So. I was just going to say, you have to have somebody with you who knows how to do it, because I'm sure not the one. But even again, how great would that have been, you know, if uh, you bought tickets to a dead show and you didn't even have to take because the next day you could just go online, download the whole thing, and just have it sitting right there, ready to rock and roll. And as long as I'm mentioning that, and I do not work for the Grateful Dead, and I'm not employed by Rhino Records or anything like that, but they did just drop a new box set, Jim. I don't know if you heard about it. They have shows from the Dead at Giant Stadium in 87, 89, and 91. They're all tremendous, tremendous shows. I have tapes of some of them in my collection already anyway, but this will be fantastic to hear these shows on CD. Some of them are just, they're they're all amazing, and it's a great lesson. Now, does the box set come with the video? Yeah, yeah, it comes with a video of one of the shows. I think just the, the last night, I think just June 17th of 91, they have a video of that show. But, but why I think this is so timely is here we are talking about, you know, Fish having to expand the size of its venues in order to accommodate the crowd and make, you know, keep the tickets still affordable for everyone. And really that means football stadiums. That's really the next size up from where they're at. You go from 30,000 to 60,000. And, yep. you know, people always wonder whether a jam band like that, you know, can maintain its style. And that was always one of the things about the Grateful Dead that really comes through well in this video is is the way that they could walk into a place with 70,000 people and Jerry could still make it feel like you were in a club with 200 people. Yep, yep. Well, we'll see because, you know, Dix is just such a great venue. Even though it's a 30,000-foot soccer arena, it, or soccer stadium outdoors, of course, it still feels intimate. There's no big screens. The Light show is still amazing, and you really do feel like you're right there with them. 
it's all general admission, which I love because I hate that. Hey, you're in my seats thing after the show starts. So um, as soon as we get through security, we bolt and get, try to get really good seats down on Paige's side. Well, I'll tell you what, that gives me just sitting there, right? That a great idea for a future show. And maybe if, uh, if any of our listeners want to join in, that would be great too. But one day, Jim, we have to sit down and talk about our favorite venues because Lord knows how many wonderful places I saw the Grateful Dead at, including Red Rock, that after, you know, Punch of Grey made it big time for them, those mm-hmm. places were no longer in play. Even Alpine Valley got too small for them. And they, you know, they had right. to go play at Soldier Field with 65,000 people right up until their very last show there. Yep. We should do that, talk about some of those favorite venues that some they still play at, some they just can't do anymore. But that'll be something for another day. Yeah, to the business side of things, yep. uh, I know that uh, we were talking last week about uh, this idea that at least in the adult use markets, uh, in some states, they allow certain cities to opt out and not be part of the program. And, uh, you know, Jim and I were going to talk about that, focusing at least a little bit on Illinois again, which is a state where there's a lot of things happening. Of course, I'm representing people in Illinois. Jim works with people in Illinois. And um, it's a state that's uh, going to be coming on strong. And, you know, what's interesting, Jim, is that with medical, the cities were not given an opt-out option. With adult use, they were. And some cities in Illinois that have medical dispensaries located within their city limits are now saying no to adult use dispensaries by opting out of that program. Yes, that's very interesting. And the question I would have is, if the city opts out, do they share in the tax revenue, the statewide tax revenue, even if they opt out? Well, it's a good question. And although I don't know the answer for sure, I'm, you know, of course, kind of hoping that the answer to that is no, because, you know, the whole idea is, you know, you support the market and the market supports you. And what's really funny here, maybe it's not even so funny, it's kind of sad, is that all of these cities say the exact same thing. Well, we don't want to be in the first wave. We want to take a step back. We want to see how the program unfolds. We want to see if there's any problems. And and I'm sorry if I sound, you know, a little put out by when I say this. Lord knows it's, uh, I'm sure, not an easy task to run a city. But for God's sake, there's adult use happening all over this country. It's not like we don't already have many, many good examples. You know, Colorado and Washington, they were the front runners. They were the ones who took the risk with adult use programs. Now, based on the results that they have that are being uh, 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 similar results in other states that have, have, have gone to adult use, we now know that adult use doesn't lead to an increase in crime. We now know that adult use doesn't lead to an increase in teenage smoking. Uh, we now right. know that it doesn't lead to an increase in, in drunken driving and or, or DUIs related to marijuana. We know these right. things. But for cities to and, sit there and still insist, well, we don't want to be in the first wave is, is a little disingenuous, I think. Right. And while we may not know the exact answer in Illinois, the way a lot of states operate is if they opt out, they'll still share in the statewide general sales tax revenue. But, of course, they're passing up any local taxes. Colorado's a home rule state, so cities can, and counties can pass their own taxes on top of the state tax. So there's in Illinois, that they'll definitely miss out on, on that. But a quick comment about how nice it is to live in a state where marijuana is legal. You know, going through security at the fish shows, they had those sliders, you know, you, on the side of the scanner so you can slide your phone and keys through. And people yep. are just 
putting their vape pens and their weed on the, on the slide through, uh, through security and they pick up their stuff on the other side with the police right there and say, thank you very much. So it's just a, such a relief of state of mind to live in a state with legal marijuana. But yeah, back to Illinois, my comment, as I made on the last show, and I'll explore it a little bit more today, is the real estate. Uh, real estate is very, very important in the marijuana industry because you need real estate to cultivate. You need real estate for your extraction lab. And of course, you need retail. So what we do is we line up the real estate or help our clients line up the real estate in a separate entity. And you can do it even pre-licensing. So here's a, a tip for Illinois is people should be lining up the real estate right now, locking up leases and contracts on land that's properly zoned in cities that don't opt out. Because that's going to be the big kibosh is once you run out of properly zoned real estate, there's no, what is it they say about real estate? You can't, they're not making anymore, right? You know, Jim, that's so true. And that's what makes what's going on here in Illinois so absolutely disappointing. The, the town of Naperville, which is, uh, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, but the third or fourth largest metropolitan area in the entire state by population says, no, we don't want it. Well, there's medical right. marijuana in Naperville or nearby. Uh, Wheat, Wheaton is the county seat for DuPage County, which is the first county immediately to the west of Cook County, very heavily populated. And there's medical dispensaries out there. Nope, they say no, they're opting out too. And now most recently, Highland Park, which is a community on the North Shore right on Lake Michigan. It's a well-known community. I think Tom Cruise and Risky Business or ordinary people, and those were all done in Highland Park. But, but it, it, it's a community that I've always thought of as being, you know, at least has a good mix of, uh, of liberalism in it and, and, and openness. They have a, certainly have a medical dispensary there, although I suppose tellingly their medical dispensary is on the outskirts of town. But it would be such a natural for Highland Park, and it would be so good for them uh, and so many of these communities. And, and when you read the comments over and over about, we don't want to introduce another drug to our community, and, and we don't want to be the first ones to do it, and uh, we think it sends the wrong message. And to me, when I hear that, that's just simply a product of the government propaganda machine that we've all been inundated with, basically since we've all been alive. For those of us that were born in the, in the late 50s and early 60s, that's always been the story for us, is no, 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 and it's bad, 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 and it's not... <laughs> And, and we know that. We, and it's not just that you and I know that, Jim. The world knows that. And Rafael Meshulam in Israel, who's been studying marijuana and CBD since the early 1960s, he knows it. And all sorts of people know it. And to hear a city say, well, we're just not going to allow it because we don't really understand it. So therefore, we're going to decide that it's dangerous and bad is backwards and ultimately, I think, a short-sighted. Well, in politics, they call that NIMBYs, not in my backyard. Right, exactly. Exactly. And as history has shown, a lot of times the people who don't want it in their backyard ultimately later on regret taking that position. And I think we're going to find that with adult use marijuana, that's going to be the case. I think in Illinois, it'll be replicated and we'll see a well-run industry. The current medical uh, providers have all done very well. We've had no problems with medical providers in this state running afoul of any of the laws. In fact, most of them go out of their way to, you know, to operate in a manner far above and beyond what the law actually calls for. And maybe that's one of the advantages of having such a tightly regulated market in Illinois is that as these new opportunities arise, 
the state really has a chance to get its arms around the industry right out of the box and make sure that these types of things are done so nobody gets too far ahead of themselves, you know, doing things in a way that we might later come to regret. Right. Yeah, because the math in my head is with your population, sales are going to be somewhere between two and three billion, probably closer to the three billion side of things. So it's going to be huge. And then back to the the business side of things in uh, the business world and raising money for businesses, they call it pre-money and post-money. You know, what is your business yep. worth before you get funding? And then what is it worth after you get funding? Well, in the marijuana world, I would rephrase that a little bit and call it pre and post license. Because if you right. lock up your real estate now, pre-license, and you have the capital to do it, if you don't get a license, you've still got real estate that's worth probably about what you paid for it. And if you do get your license, the value of that real estate, you can almost add a zero to the end of the value. If you've got one of the properly zoned and uh, host cities that wants your business, post-license money is quite a bit larger than your pre-license money. Well, I, I think you're right, and I think that that comes into play very much here. That, that what these cities don't realize is it's not just that they are, you know, withdrawing their residents from this program, but this has an impact all over the entire state. Because what winds up happening is. If there were, you know, number of people were planning to go into Naperville or Wheaton or Highland Park, well, guess what? Those neighborhoods aren't available anymore. And so now it's going to push them into other neighborhoods. And now the people who were going to be in those other neighborhoods find that they're in competition with more people than they thought they were going to be in because now there's there's fewer areas available. It changes the prices, right? It, it makes yep. supply and demand. If there's less supply... Uh, and the demand is the same or goes up, the prices of those properties is going to go up, which is good for the communities that are are allowing it. But again, these other communities, I don't know that they really appreciate, A, what they're losing out on, and B, the the impact they're having overall on everything. I just have to say, Jim, I do completely agree with you that people should be getting their, their property first. In Illinois, with the dispensary licenses, they're called conditional licenses because you can actually get a license awarded without your property. If you get the license, you then have 180 days to lock down your property. Now, I'm not a real estate expert, but my way of thinking about that is if there's people out there that know that you only have a short period of time in which you have to come up with a piece of property or you lose your license, that tilts the playing field pretty heavily in their favor. Yes. Yeah, it'd be like trying to buy a, a fish ticket at Dick's. Right. Right. And, and you know people are going to have to realize that all the way around you know otherwise we're just going to have to go forward with those parts of illinois that are going to allow us to do it we'll let the program flourish and succeed in those areas and perhaps somewhere down the road by the time we go through the next round of licenses some of these other communities uh, you know will have opened their eyes and realized that it's the 21st century and you know what we know is a lot different than what we used to know right and that everybody could use a nice little boost of income i'd like to see um some of the really hard-pressed uh, neighborhoods in Chicago and some of the other cities, minorities, social justice. I'd like to see those businesses thrive and help and bring dollars into some of these neighborhoods in Illinois that are, are so challenged with social problems and weekend shootings and all the bad things you hear on the news. Yeah, it would be a wonderful thing. And uh, you know, we're all very hopeful. We have a strong social equity component in our program. Uh, I know people are talking about it a lot. We're all very excited. So we'll see. 
you know, and at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I do respect the sovereignty of each uh, municipality to make the decisions that it wants to make for itself. I just wonder sometimes if those decisions aren't uninformed, both to the detriment of the city and the industry. Yeah, some of those gangbangers with their guns, we can get them onto the right side of the law and make them security guys. Well, that, that wouldn't be a bad thing if we could do it. <laughs> I agree with that, too. I say that half time in chief. Before we run out of time, I, there's a couple of topics that are out there that I know you and I want to get to, but there's just so much going on we haven't. But just so our listeners are aware, we definitely at some point want to get to the uh, issue of industry standards, what's going on with industry standards, will we ever have uh, a universal set of standards for the industry, how might that work, and things like that. The other issue, Jim, that I know we want to get to then, this is probably one we'll get to next week because it's really very timely right now, is this you know large uptick in the number of medical cases being reported around the country that are apparently lung infections, which many in the medical community are now blaming on vaping. And, uh, of course, vaping is something that's very near and dear to the heart of the cannabis industry as uh, uh, vaping probably makes up a very good percentage of all THC products sold. Uh, so I think that's something we should look in, uh, get into talking about next week. Yes. At the first shows, it was like everybody had their own personal vape pen. And I saw one from California that gives you a measured dose. So it'll, you can draw on it for a bit, tiny, enough for like one dose, so to speak, and then the pen shuts itself off. Hmm. Well, the yeah, technology is getting before. great. There's no doubt about it. So problem solved. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we will see. It would be nice. I know people in the industry, my guess is, is that they will be motivated to develop new lines of product that address whatever issues there are out there. But when we talk about it next week, we'll, we'll have a better idea. We talk about standards. We really should talk about the quality of everybody's around sitting, smoking their own personal bay pen. You know, what are the what's the quality of the product that they're doing? I always say um, extraction and manufactured products like bay pens is a total separate skill set from cultivation and retail. It's a very different Correct. thing. And that, I wonder, and I mentioned this, I think, in a previous show, you know, all these CBD and cannabis products, what is the quality of the oil that they're using for these products? So we'll have lots to talk about exactly. in this, on that in those subjects. We'll throw in some, uh, yeah, we have lots of things to talk about in the future. We can talk about the venues around the country that we all love. We can talk about yep. uh, Grateful Dead lyrics versus fish lyrics, which is always an ongoing, yeah. I don't know if it's a controversy, but it makes for lots of late night conversations. 100%, right? That, that's the eternal question. What would the world be like if Trey had Robert Hunter writing lyrics for him? But we'll get to all that. All right. Well, anything else we want to talk about as we wind this one down? I think we're all good on this. After all that uh, great live music, uh, we can all use a little bit of a rest. And I'll look forward to talking to you again next week, sir. Yes, uh, no rest for the wicked. We have three Dark Star Orchestra shows next weekend. A Dark Star Orchestra, of course, the Grateful Dead Tribute Band. And believe it or not, a Grateful Dead Tribute Band sells out Red Rocks at 9,500 people. And why not? What else does it any better than that? People want to hear the dead at Red Rock. doesn't matter who's playing it. Right. Yep. A lot of people saw J-Rad the night before Fish started, and I guess he did a wonderful show at Red Rocks. I have no doubt. Yeah, he does wonderful shows everywhere. He played Cat Under the Stars. Oh, the Jerry tune. That's, see, that's great, too. And they, and they know they can do that. They've, they've got a good working, uh, you know, a 
good knowledge of the Dead Library and the Jerry Library, and yeah, the very very talented group. So it, that's true. I mean, and, and just like you know, here we are trying to say goodbye, and we're talking about music for another five minutes because there's just too much good stuff out there not to. It's been a great year. It's been, and everyone's just talking about what a great summer with widespread out there, J Rad, Fish, Dead and Co, uh, Lock In, Tedeschi Trucks. Yep, yep, it was a wonderful, wonderful summer of 2019. Yeah, and I like to think the best is yet to come. Over and out. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.